0: Thank you for joining us here on AM 990, The Voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jeremy Jones. We are speaking with Shannon Dyson and Emily Breen. Shannon and Emily, good morning. Good, good morning.
1: morning.
0: Great to have you guys here with us on this Halloween Friday.
2: Good to be here. Happy to be here.
0: Shannon, you got any kids dressing up today?
2: I've got three. Uh, I don't know what they're dressing up as. They change it. So we have a Halloween party every year. They right. wear one costume for that party, and then they change it for Halloween. So I never know what what they're going to be for Halloween. Excellent. So they get two shots they, at they Halloween. Get two, they get two shots at so it. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we've Emily? got a big costume uh, chest in our house. Huge costume I, I, costumes everywhere. Absolutely. Emily, what's going on
0: at your house?
1: Well, I've got a three-year-old uh, who hates to dress up, um, but we <laughs> we gave him an option this year. We said, you can be whatever you want, and he chose Mickey Mouse.
0: Mickey Mouse, so that's great.
1: we're going to be, hopefully, Mickey Mouse, and we'll hopefully stay warm. I know it's supposed to be pretty cold tonight.
0: Well, it is going to be a little bit colder tonight, so that is going to be uh, an issue. But I think that's a great segue as we think of things that are a little bit suspect. And let's talk about the Affordable Care Act, Shannon. Uh, and uh, you can bring us up to date on everything that's happening over the last year.
2: Well, we're going to start out with some positives, Keith. Oh, uh, right. Well, I are, love that. There are some positives <laughs> uh, to the Affordable Care Act. The, the main positive being uh, that we've been able to have access for people uh, that had health conditions that that in the previous years would otherwise have them uninsurable. Uh, so I, the the main condition that pops out in my head is diabetes. Diabetes is, is something that millions of Americans live with, uh, and pre-2013, 2012 – Uh, you could not go out into the market and get an individual health plan if you had diabetes. And that's a really big deal. Automatic decline right, with any carrier. And so you'd have people that would work for years at a a job. All of a sudden they're laid off, fired. Uh, Their COBRA is way too expensive for them to continue, um, and they had no options. Right. So that's definitely one of the good things that came from this law. Um, the other is for the for, for the people that could not afford it and uh, are eligible for subsidies uh, in the marketplace, uh, people that could afford health insurance now they're able to afford it with some subsidies that are being offered to them for lower income uh, Americans. so it did have some of the benefits that that were touted initially, you know people with pre-existing conditions, yes. people that needed some subsidy assistance yes, and, th- and those were the things that I think everybody agreed with th- those were things that needed to be changed. Uh, things that they were, they were, they did follow through on that and they were changed. Well, now, Shannon, talk to us about this. How are the
0: numbers looking as far as the number of enrollees, the number of people we needed to have inside of the exchanges? You know, we talked a lot about that last year, about how there was this fear that they were going to have the older, sicker folks that
2: would sign up uh, right. and that it would cause a spiral upward in premiums. Right. And what we saw mostly... Uh, from, uh, and, I, and I'm not sure that they, or maybe they did, Keith, maybe they did know that this was going to happen, but a lot of the people that were are now insured were insured through Medicaid, right. uh, through the states. And so an increase in Medicaid helped a lot of lower-income Americans get coverage. Uh, so this is not coverage in the private market. This is not private health insurance. This is an increase in the funding for Medicaid allowed millions of Americans to get health care where they could not get it before. Uh, and so what you're seeing are some states... Did increase their their right. Medicaid. Some did not. In the states that did not increase their Medicaid, you're seeing some people some people left out of the system still.
0: And adding all of these folks onto Medicaid does that does that go into the risk pool for the Affordable Care Act?
2: It does not. Uh, th- those those are separate. So the the private insurance health health market does not have the people that are in the Medicaid program. It's the states that are that are uh, on the hook for the Medicaid program. And th- and that's one of the reasons why some of the states did not. Uh, jump in and say, hey, we'll take the Medicaid, we'll we'll take the, the Medicaid expansion. Sure. Uh, because they didn't know how many people are we going to be on the hook for. And it affected Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee was affected because a lot of people, we did not expand our Medicaid, and we have people calling into our offices, you know, trying to go into the marketplace and get a subsidy. And Emily deals with this more than I do. People calling in saying, hey, what kind of subsidy can I qualify for? Uh, and there's a there's a gap where maybe you can't get a subsidy and you're also not on eligible for Medicaid because we didn't expand our Medicaid program. Uh, so there are some issues there.
0: And were there there were reasons that states didn't want to expand their their Medicaid?
2: Yeah. The main reason is that we we didn't know. It's, I was telling Emily this the other day. It's kind of like you're I come to you, Keith, and say, Hey, Keith, I want to buy you a car. Um and uh, okay. It, it may be something that you can't you, <laughs> right you can't normally afford. <laughs> yeah, right. So you can't normally afford this car, but I want to buy you a car and I'm gonna promise you that I'm gonna pay for that car for a month for twelve months. I'm gonna pay twelve months worth of payments. Excellent. So so it sounds great, right? Yeah. But what if you can't afford that car after a year? Well, I get to use it for a year. You get to use it for a year, but what happens after that year? Your yeah, name, out I, bu- of luck. I, I bought this car in your name, and right? so you're, you're on the hook for these payments. So after a year, I can't make the payments any longer. What happens to you? So the states would have to pick up the payments the for the program? The states have to pick up the payments for the program. And, and that that's money's got to come from And somewhere. that's why Tennessee said we don't, we don't want to be a part of the Medicaid expansion. I get
0: you. Well, Emily, let's talk a little bit about what you see uh, with Shoemaker Benefits. And, and first, let's talk about uh, what are, what is your area of responsibility as an account manager? What is your role with Shoemaker Benefits?
1: Well, um, I actually I directly support uh, Shannon um, during during the sales phase of our business. Um, we deal a lot with um, not only individual clients, but we have a lot of group clients, group health clients, right. um, and so I deal a lot um, with directly supporting him um, during that phase. But then, um, what I what I do more, I guess, once um, that account is acquired. Um, I assume kind of the responsibility of maintaining a, a good relationship with our clients and, um, and kind of helping them uh, take care of their day-to-day issues with uh, what they need to do benefits-wise.
0: So if they have an issue with their policy, they can call into
2: you and you help them with that?
1: A hundred percent. We take care of everything that they want us to. I
2: get a call or an email weekly saying, we sure are glad that you hired Emily. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got back to us pretty quickly, yeah, but she's a, a, lot, she's a lot quicker she's, and she's a lot nicer, a lot sweeter <laughs> to us than you are. I can see are. that a little bit better at taking care of customers. I can totally see that. Uh, now I try. I, I do a good job with it, but she definitely has helped a lot with, you know, when you sign up a group health plan. Uh, at Shoemaker, we like to say, you know, we want to come in and take over your HR as much as you want us to. And, and that involves uh, helping employees with claims questions. Um, no matter what insurance carrier you're with, you get an, an explanation of benefits back and you have to pay more than you think that you should pay. Well, there's a question there, and normally that right. question will go to the HR of a company. And we encourage them to call our office, and Emily takes care of that, those types of issues for us.
0: Well, it seems like that would be incredibly valuable for people to have, get uh, access to a uh, resource that would give them those kind of answers.
2: Well, you go into these, uh, these office managers and HR department offices and you ask them, you know, what is your day like? What, what do you do on a daily basis? And most of them wear so many different hats that, right. that answering questions about health benefits is something that they do not want to have to do. Um, you know, they don't want somebody to come, hey, my insurance did not pay this claim correctly. I know they didn't. What is the HR person going to do with that? And so that's
0: something. Email that we, Emily. Em, email Emily.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's a great answer.
0: <laughs> Emily, when you get a lot of calls, and I know we've mentioned that, uh, you have people that are calling in that are talking about whether they qualify for a subsidy, uh, thinking about their eligibility. What, what is that process, and, and what do you look at to determine someone's eligibility and whether they qualify for any support or any assistance uh, under the law?
1: Yeah, so um, basically, we don't need to know too much um, just to, to look into whether you qualify or not. We'll need to know um, the number of people in your household, uh, the county that you live in, because it, it can vary from county to county, um, and then also your um, yearly annual income. Um, and that would be what you expect to make uh, or expect to file for your 2014 taxes. Um, so just a, a couple of things, we plug it in, um, and we're able to see, you know, if there's anything available to you, um, and that's actually it's really beneficial um, to work with somebody um, because it can get really overwhelming. If I don't know if you've sure. been to healthcare.gov and um, if you, if you're, I tried to,
0: but I never could get it to work. I, right?
1: <laughs> well, it's it's working now, um, <laughs> but it's it can be really overwhelming with. Um, the number of plans that are available. Um, I mean, it's pages and pages, and and that can just get really. Um, it can get muddy, and maybe not understand you know quite what you're looking at when there's a 100- hundred options. So we really help to kind of narrow those down and, and, and explain um, the differences in those and what maybe would work best for you and, and which carriers we prefer.
0: Because I think it's probably one of those things where people call in and they really don't even know the questions to ask when, right. they're, when they're trying to pick the right policy for them and their family.
1: Right. And and Shannon is really good um, at being able to kind of walk them through and, and ask the right questions as to, you know, what is most important to your family, um, you know, whether you want a really high deductible and a low premium or you know, if you want, you want to pay a little bit more to have a, a lower deductible, and you know,
2: yeah. People, when most most of the people that call in, um, first of all, that most don't realize that they actually might qualify for a subsidy. And so, the, when we ask the question, "What is your adjusted gross income?" or "What do you, what was it last year? What right. do you expect it to be for 2014?" they're kind of taken aback, like, "Why are you asking me how much money I made <laughs> last year?" <laughs> yeah. uh, but it is very important uh, to us and to the to the system to be able to put that in and figure out you know, where, where these people fall on, sure. the, on the spectrum.
1: And in a lot of cases, it's actually more than you would expect. Um, for a family of four, um, you can make up to 96000 and still qualify. And so that that surprises some people, I think.
2: Yeah, well, some people that will call in and, and they're making $75,000 a year, they're well above the median uh, income in Tennessee, and they're thinking right. there's no way I'd qualify for a subsidy. But when you when you look at the system, yes, you do. Now, it may not be as much or maybe a little bit less than what we would normally see, uh, but you still qualify for something.
1: Every little bit helps, Shannon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: so we're we're subsidizing people that are making seventy five thousand dollars a year. We are. Our hard earned tax money <laughs> is going to <laughs> subsidize people making seventy five thousand dollars a year. And, he,
2: and here's the reason why, Keith. Because the rates that were that we were. Um, led to believe we 're going to be affordable right uh, are not really affordable i mean you 're talking about people in their twenties that that could get a high deductible health plan three years ago based on their health conditions and if they were healthy, pay hundred and ten dollars a month for a for a twenty four year old twenty five year old person uh that rate is now $265 a month. Wow. And so there there's a big difference in the in the premiums and so the person making $75,000 a year trying to get a family of four covered is looking at a $1,200 a month premium or $1,100 a month premium. And so that's, you know, so it's the NRACA, the not really affordable care, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, well, the the affordability comes in with the I honestly believe with the subsidies. That that is what they uh, I think I think the administration, when when they were going through this process, they really saw well, average incomes of Americans are this, right. So this is going to be affordable. Once we get these subsidized rates, that those will look affordable. Well, now that makes a little bit of sense. Well, now yeah. talk to us about the open enrollment period. You know, what does that mean? When does that start? How long does it run? Uh, well, the, the open enrollment period starts November fifteenth. It runs through February fifteenth. Um, and this we've talked about this before, but I think it's important. Um, You know, In the past, you could pretty much look at an individual health plan whenever you wanted to, compare rates, Mm -hmm. uh, compare plans, and make changes. Uh, The open enrollment period is now the only time that you can do that as an individual to get a new health plan between November 15th and February 15th, uh, unless you have a qualifying event throughout the year.
0: So if you don't get one before February 15th and you forget about it and you look up in March and want to go get some health insurance... Not you, happening. Yeah, you cannot. You can't <laughs> do it.
2: You it, when, when you go into the system, it's going to ask you what is your qualifying event uh, to in order to get to be eligible for health care, and then you have to prove it.
0: Now, what do you mean by a qualifying event, Shannon?
2: Uh, if you uh, get married uh, or divorced, lose other coverage, uh, you move from a group that has coverage, and you, and you lose coverage there. Um, you have yeah, have childbirth. Um, there's a, several different uh, factors, but. Not as many as you think. Like, if you have an individual plan now and right. you forget to pay the premium and that policy lapses, that's not a qualifying event to get a new health plan. Uh, so, that, you know, if individual policy for, for losing an individual policy is not a qualifying event. It's, a, it's kind of a think of it this way losing a policy is no fault. Of youth. So if you are terminated from employment, lose your, lose your uh, insurance, that's a qualifying event.
0: Ah, that does not sound like a government program to me, where there's a little <laughs> bit of personal accountability where you actually got to pay your
2: premium. Do well, uh, re- you think you have that right? The reason why is, is because of something we talked about when this health care law was first coming into existence. And we said, what if somebody goes into the hospital, has no insurance, and says, I need to go buy a health plan today? Absolutely. Well, I think they realized that That that, part, and and that's why if you're not asking health questions, if you're not um, monitoring anything whatsoever, you have to put it on an annual enrollment basis and only have one time to enroll.
0: Shannon, I understand that
2: you want to test our knowledge. Well, it's Halloween, trick-or-treat and all that, so I figured we'd ask some some questions and see what you guys know. Um, The first question is a true or false question. Okay. Jeremy um, we got to do good on these. And it so. has to do with Keith Quinn's uh, health plan. Uh-oh. So Keith, your health plan. Uh-oh. Your health plan covers, this is true or false, your okay. health plan covers pediatric, dental, and vision. Do you have children? No. Okay. Your health plan covers pediatric, dental, and vision. True or false?
3: True. Correct. That hey, is true. Very yeah. good,
2: Keith. Very good. I don't need the pediatric <laughs> part, though. You do not, but it is covered. But I am anyway. paying for it. Uh, second question. And dental question. is
3: included there. Yeah, right? So wow. pediatric
2: dental and vision is covered on all health plans, okay. whether that's it's the... in the group market or in the individual market <laughs> in small, in small groups. Thank the you. Cat, thank that's you. the Cadillac plan, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, okay, so number two, how many young adults gain coverage through their parents' plans uh, because they could be covered until age 26? Is it more or less than 2 million? Say more. I think More. The answer is more. Three million
3: yeah. uh, young adults
2: were
1: Shannon, able to gain coverage. Right. We need some harder questions.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to make it easy. That yeah, wasn't was a very sorry. good. Tr- <laughs> that was a difficult true false question there. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. That was, that was not true false. Okay. okay, this is also not true false. Okay. Seniors account for 13% of the population, but what percentage do they account for for healthcare spending? Healthcare spending. For this last year? Last year, seniors,
3: uh, 60% let' us say 67%.
2: Much lower, 30%. And it was kind of a shocking wow. number to us. Yeah, that is a little wow. bit shocking. As I well. would have thought that was way higher. True or false? Yeah, we bombed Thanks on that True or false? Okay. Second, ne- ne- next to last question, true or false? 20 states declined to expand Medicaid. Now, we've already covered this when we've been talking, so hopefully you were listening. 20 states declined Medicaid expansion. False. It's 23. Very good. Wow. Keith is <laughs> listening. All right, last question. The number of people that signed up for health insurance uh, through all of the online exchanges was more than 7 million. Yes, true. Yes, true. Just true, a little bit got, more. You guys just were great today. <laughs> 7.3 7, 7. million. And as, as an aside, 85% of those that signed up through those exchanges received a subsidy. So 85%? That just tells you the, the well, that's good. The of, of people that were able to go into the market and receive a subsidy.
0: Yeah, that's that's great information, Shannon, and a good hey, quiz. Hey, somebody gets lucky every now and then, too. I can't believe I knew anything about my own personal plan. That's awesome. <laughs> well, maybe now you need to use more of it then, right? No,
3: that's, I'm glad that I don't have to use it. <laughs> well, let's talk about, we've been talking about individuals, Shannon. Let's talk about employers in the plan. So January 1st is coming up. So what's that, what's the deadline coming up for employers?
2: For uh, employers that have more than 100 employees, uh, January 1st, 2015 starts a period where they have to offer a group health plan. Uh, if they do not offer a group health plan, they will face the tax uh, that is applied to large employers of $2,000 per employee uh, you do get a credit for the first thirty employees, so minus the first thirty, two thousand dollars per employee.
0: And we're sure this time, this time it is going to go this, into effect. This
2: is for sure. They they did uh, extend it another year for employers with fifty one or fifty to ninety nine employees. So if you're in the fifty to ninety nine, you have another, you year, another year to, to think okay. about it. Uh, but for one hundred plus employers, you must offer a health plan or you will be fined.
3: Now, how many you think will be at, will actually just not do it and? In- there are take on had, the fines. You
2: know, we so we talk with a lot of uh, employers in this in this marketplace um, that have lower income uh, employees working for them, right? Uh, hourly workers, um, and they to they mostly will will say this: What's it going to cost me to to not offer a plan? Is there are there any cheaper alternatives to offer that we can get by with less than what the penalty is? And if the answer is no, they're just going to pay the penalty. But when you look at one hundred and fifty. Uh, employer group, let's say they're in the fast food, uh, business where the margins are small anyway. Right, right. Um, and so you take 120 of those people and you're paying a $2,000 fine per employee. You're, you're over $200,000 in fines that you can't write off. Uh, it's not, there's not a tax write off for that. Uh, and so that's just a penalty that you're, that you're paying. So most employers are trying to find a way to offer some sort of plan that is less expensive than that number.
3: Well, that's what I was going to say. So <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm an employer, and I'm going to be forced to, to provide a plan. Well, what are my options on plans? What is the minimum that I can do?
2: That's a good question. The, uh, the The minimum is called a minimum essential coverage plan. It's a MEC plan for short. And what a MEC plan does is it covers all of the preventive um, – ex- Preventive uh, types of procedures that were uh, made to be covered under the Affordable Care Act. So any type of physical, uh, well-woman exam, uh, kids uh, injections for, uh, what am I, what am I missing? My immunizations. Uh, all of those are covered 100%. Um, and that's, but that's all that the MEC plan covers. And I was joking around when you put a bunch of entrepreneurs in a room and you give them a law, they're going to find a way around it. Oh, well the, right. The, oh, the, sure. MEC plan, the MEC plan is the way around it. That is offering minimum essential coverage. So that gets the employer out of the $2,000 per employee penalty. Um, there's another penalty that they have to deal with, uh, but it's a lot less expensive than, than that one.
0: So when an employer, Shannon, you know, we always think about this as, as the, you know, the group health plan being a tremendous benefit that an employer would offer to the employees. Mm-hmm. So with the, some of the uh, ways they're being forced to structure this, uh, it almost turns into it's not a, a real positive for the employees. You, yeah. know, you were talking about that before the show.
2: Yeah, for years. I mean, an employer-sponsored group health plan has been the driving factor that when you go in and you, you're interviewing, right. what are my benefits? Well, the biggest part of that benefit program is the group health plan. Uh, we 're getting into situations now where an employer offering a group health plan can be a detriment to the employee because if you take a, an example again in the in the fast food services or any type of service where you 've got a say a twelve dollar an hour person that is working for you that twelve dollar an hour person could go into the marketplace today, get a subsidy, um, have a health plan that also lowers his deductible from two thousand to zero because of his income level. So you can get a $0 deductible plan for about $30 a month if you if you fit that criteria. Uh, your employer gets out of the penalty by offering you a group health plan that is no more than 9.5% of your income. 9.5% of a $12 an hour employee is about $190 a month wow. uh, insurance premium. And with probably a three dollars or $4,000 deductible. And so in that type of situation, you're actually hurting the employee because the employer is saying, well, I don't, I can't pay the fine, so I have to offer some sort of health plan that's affordable. But if the employer didn't offer the health plan, the employee could go and get the subsidy.
0: So that's kind of an unintended consequence of the plan. And you said there's some, some some positives, but this is one of the negatives. This is definitely could one
2: of the negatives where you just have, you have employees that could get a better deal in some instances if their employer didn't offer a group health plan.
0: And now, Emily, huh? is that the kind of thing, are you helping people, you know, figure out what is the most affordable plan for them? Is that part of your role when they call into Shoemaker Benefits?
1: It is, yeah. We, um, you know, we, we want to talk to people and see exactly what they need. And um, and I have a lot of people that say, you know, they're around my age. I'm in my 20s. And, you know, I'm young. I don't need anything Um, I don't need a $0 deductible. I don't think I'm going to use it that much. And so, um, you know, we talk about what exactly you need as far as, um, you know, how much you want to pay a month and your deductibles and we'll get you the best, the best fit for you and your life.
0: Because, Jeremy, they do a very similar process that we do with financial planning. You know, it's all about asking these questions, getting your clients to think these issues through so they can make some informed decisions because these decisions are incredibly
3: important. Yeah, it's all about needs, goals. What are you trying to do? And, you know, it's it's trying to get the best that you can at the cheapest price you can, right? That's, that's what it's exactly all about. Right. It's about dollars, but it's also what are you getting for those dollars? Exactly. Well, Shannon, you're the expert. So with everything that you've
0: seen going on last year, you see where we are. Uh, are you pretty pleased with this considering, you know, the problems that we went through with the implementation?
2: Um, that's a loaded question. But the, the, I am pleased in what it's done for our business. Right. Um, because a lot of employers need to know information. And, and gathering that information and being a resource for them has helped uh, grow what we do. Um, As an overall effect on uh, healthcare, I I think that it's. I think that we're going to see this effect in in the next few years as rates continue to increase. Right. Um, Just common sense. When you're not asking health questions, and a person that's 26 with a lot of medical conditions versus a person that's 26 that is completely healthy, they have the same rate. You know, just you know, simple math will tell you that at some point those rates are going to be out of control. Right. And if the subsidies keep going up, well, somebody's paying for those as well. And so you can kind of see a day where, you know, at some point in the future where we'll look up and say, well, how did we get here? Um, but for now, you know, it's, it's a process. It's something that we are uh, helping employers through. It's not going away anytime soon. Uh, and so we just try to gather as much information as we can so that when employers come to us, we have all the information that they, that they need and for any, any different size uh, employer.
0: That's that's great information. And I'll leave you guys with this and I'll ask you a question. And here's here's my part of the quiz. So this is what I think is wrong with healthcare. care. Uh, I recently did a very a brilliant move sharpening a knife and about cut two of my fingers off and had to go to uh, Germantown to get seven stitches. Now to go in and get seven stitches in the emergency room. How much do you think that cost?
2: Ooh. Oh, wow. Uh, let's say $3,000. That is
0: very close. 2200 bucks. Right. I couldn't believe it. I would yeah. have done it myself. I've, seen a, lot, I've seen a lot of bills. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, that's exactly, that's right. you've, you've seen a lot, seen a lot, a lot of, of bills, right? <laughs> But it didn't cost you $2,200, right? That's exactly right. It did not cost me $2,200. <laughs> it, it did not. What did it cost you? Uh, I don't
0: even. It was It was a, a bunch. Probably but not, not that much. Yeah. Not, you know, with the, with hundred that Cadillac plan, <laughs> he's got. Hey, health care worked exactly like it was supposed to, my health care insurance. That
2: is the issue. When you see rising costs like that, and, and the right. rising costs are because we have plans that cover everything, and so when you have a health plan that covers Everything You don't care about going to the ER because you have a cold. You go to the ER because that's right. your insurance is paying for it all. What we, don't, so what we don't see is the back end of that, how much that actually costs.
3: Keith must, uh, he, he should thank his employer for this nice plan that he gets and, <laughs> you know, provide him, almost cut his fingers off and doesn't cost him and he should that's, thank, that's right. And he
2: should also thank the broker that helped him choose that plan. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, wrote, I, I that do thank the, the
3: broker and, of course,
0: any <laughs> firm that would employ somebody stupid enough to almost cut their fingers off. I, I <laughs> thank it for that. (laughs) Yeah. Shannon, Emily, thank you so much. Great information. Really enjoyed having you on. Thank, thank you guys. You. Thank you. We Enjoyed you. being here. I do want to thank Shannon and Emily. I want to thank Jeff Grimm. Jeff did a great job for us. Uh, I want to thank Art Frederick, our program coordinator, uh, Francis Fortner and Eleanor Mo- uh, Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator. Excuse me, Jeff Long, our compliance officer. Eleanor Moskowitz and Katie Brasher, our production assistants. I am Keith Quinn. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money.
2: Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a
0: registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.